Five, four, three, two, one. Lift off. The word rapture is never in the scripture. It's not in the book of Revelation. If you look at it from Satan's standpoint, it was brilliant. As far back as the 1800s, these secret societies knew that America stood in the way of them becoming the world powers. I was a young man, they had this movie come out. They it went at the theaters, they showed it at church. It was called Thief in the Night. Oh, yeah. The, the, like the wife didn't accept Christ, but the husband did, and she wakes up one morning and his electric shaver was in the sink just running, you know. I'd say I was young. I was so scared. Like every time I came home or came to our house, like and I, like mom, you know, he's at home, nobody's there. I was like crying. I thought for sure. I mean, I, I asked Jesus into my heart a thousand times. Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacy Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Today on the Flyover Conservative Podcast, we have uh, somebody who at, at one point was our biggest dream person when we started this what show is he now? down well now he's become a friend oh that's true yeah well, he's my friend <laughs> he's my friend too stacy's such a fan of this person i was following him and, and and printing off uh prophetic words and saved him and she came across one and went into it and then just went crazy then she got the action figures I and the did. lunch pail the went through the, courses the, that they had she got the the, the curtains the pajamas <laughs> the, 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 the 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 again like the, the everything everything but the bobblehead yeah so so you guys are really in for a treat today. This is something you're probably going to want to watch a few times. Um, um, the content we're getting into is going to expand your mind and probably challenge you a little bit. And that's kind of kind of why we're, we're living is to learn and grow. So we have the one, the only Johnny Enlow. What a great studio audience there. They, Thank you. They, they love you. They've been camping out since yesterday. It's like a Garth Brooks concert. <laughs> they're, they're lined up all the way down the road. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> we're so excited about this, Johnny. You know, uh, David and I listened to Elijah Streams, episode number 44, multiple times. In fact, uh, you know, we have a studio, a second studio now, and we finished all of our basement. And I was doing a painting project one night and listened to that episode 44. David wasn't around. And I was like, I cannot wait for David to hear this episode. This is unbelievable. And a couple of days later, a friend of ours, uh, Matt and Joy Thayer, came to town. And he starts talking about some stuff. And then all of a sudden, your name comes up in this episode 44. So David and I had listened to it a few times. And, and David calls me. He'd been out of town. And he goes, we've got to get Johnny on the show. Because what he's talking about, we have got to get yeah. in front of the flight. Well, I, went, I went camping with my dog. And so I was listening to podcasts on my phone while I'm hiking with my dog. And I just listened to that episode over and over. I think I got through it three times and then went. And this is a, an idea that I'm so glad that you're on because, A, I trust you. Um, you're 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 so good at explaining things and 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 saying what you know. You clarify when there's something that you think, um, and and you 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 stay in a place that is there's no ego involved. There's no big agenda. It, it's it's just a, a truth like mm -hmm. your own phone number, and you couldn't say it wrong. And uh, you're passionate about that. And uh, this is a, an idea that you know that's been around our fringes. And um, it's 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 really woke up something inside of us that is is exciting, and uh, there's just I feel like uh, God is really on this moment right now with the things that you're uncovering and sort of the rocks you're kicking over. So we're so thankful uh, to have you on today. Well, thank you so much um, for all those kind words. It's a real privilege uh, to to be with you, and I am excited to um, to interact along along this theme. It really is something that burns in me. So as we get started, um, I'm going to put down below the link to that Elijah uh, stream episode. Uh, with, and you did with multiple. Steve. It couldn't just be fit, in, fit into one. You did 44, 45, 46, 47. I mean, it has continued week after week. But 44 was the intro uh, For, 44 to this whole is, Yeah, what, what is going to open, that we're going to talk about open today. the can of worms and you, people can go where they want from there. And then you also, with, with our, our friends, Matt and Joy Thayer, they're, they're filmmakers. And they do an incredible podcast. Matt is a, is a student of, of the Bible and has been since he was just a, a boy. And uh, he spent most of his life reading and studying and looking at this stuff and asking great questions. He's been around great people, had great conversations. So he brings a lot of good things to the table as well. We will put a link down to their podcast. They're on Rumble um, at, at, with Sparrow. Uh, there we go, Sparrow Pictures. Uh, again, they're filmmakers. They made a documentary about, about President Trump and other things. But uh, we'll put a link to that one as well because people are, when they, when they kind of get a taste of this, mm -hmm. they're probably uh, going to want more. So. And Johnny, God gave you a mandate to release this information now because you've had it for a long time. 
Uh, but in fact, 2004 uh, was when he gave you a vision. But now you, you've you been, God has said, this is the time you have got to release it. Yeah, you know, just the overall reality of of a narrative and what a narrative does, the power of a narrative to um, restrict us and the power of a narrative to promote, project us as it relates to the end times. You know, mm-hmm. people, it's not just about whether someone or we're getting it right. Are we aligned with the scripture or not? Are we properly discerned? It, there, there is cause and effect. And if, and if we choose an inferior narrative to the narrative that God has given us through the scriptures, then we're going to find inferior results. And um, that truly has, has been the case. And so I've kind of, I won't say tap danced around it. In certain settings, I've been real Mm -hmm. direct with telling the part of the narrative when we're talking about, okay, the, the eschatology, the belief on the end times and, and not about dotting every I crossing every T correctly, but, um, but especially the parts of eschatology that affect the way one responds today. That's, Mm. that's the deal. It doesn't really matter if, if we're right or wrong on some side matter, that's, you know, 50, a hundred, 200, however many years in the future, it's if, if we're onto a narrative that restricts us today, that's the big deal. And so I did right. just recently get from the Lord. It was like, I want you to hit, I mean, I, the way it, it, it came to my spirit from the Holy Spirit, I want you to blow this thing up to smithereens now. It made me feel that. Yeah. And the reason for that is, and the reason not to do it too soon, you know, there there are truths that we don't want to do the you can't handle the truth kind of deal, but there are there are certain um, you'll close doors by telling too much too soon. People can't handle it. Mm. But I think the Lord realizes we'll say the pain of the moment, the waking of the moment um, has put the body of Christ in a place where they are prepared um, to hear certain truths they weren't ready to hear before. Yeah. Mm. And you're, you're right about yep. the narrative. That's why sometimes when you hear like, uh, Oh, a lot on the left really, really push, you know, in the next few years, the oceans are going to rise and climate change and we're, and we're done for at the same time, they're building, you know, mansions on the beach, you know, and you're Million, like millions of dollars. And you're yeah. like, I, I, I don't uh. believe that your current day actions align with the message that you, you say. And, you know, um, we need to make sure that, 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 our behavior, what we're doing, is in alignment with 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 what we think is is, is happening. We feel like God's doing, and that those are aligned with each other. And if we don't have that right story, that right narrative, you know, you're right. It affects our behavior and affects mm-hmm. our willingness, or maybe our, our enthusiasm and what we're called to do. Well, hundred percent. Just to you know, jump in quickly on a on a biblical example that's super well known is the story of David and Goliath, you know, very well known for Samuel 17. And people don't realize really that it is the story of an entire nation who believes the wrong narrative and of one guy who's aligned with the right narrative. You can say, well, David was this and that. Yeah. Well, what he was, was a product of, of knowing the narrative. And so the instant he shows up on the scene and, and, you know, there's a, here's a scene where his, his nation, that big King Saul, who's the tallest man in Israel, he's their giant. He's seven foot. Mm-hmm. And they are trembling for 40 consecutive days because Goliath has come out and says, who dares take me on? And if you read the first verse of 1 Samuel 17, it, it tells you that it was in F. Uh, I won't go to the name. They're too hard to pronounce anyway. But it was in the land. It was in Judah. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that they just meant some neutral site. It was that the Philistines had come into land that belongs to Israel. Mm. And then Israel looked at it and compared the size of themselves to them. And, and, you know, it was like, and they got themselves, there you go. Now the Mm -hmm. Philistines got their armies together, battle and were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of hard pronounced words. And so you have, you know, they have a champion uh, that comes out and, and they are, in great fear for 40 days. And, and so, and then what did, what did David do? He shows up and he has one look. He, he looks at the exact same battlefield that they are all frightened by because it's literally yep. a, 
you go down, you keep right where you're at. Um, when verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Mm-hmm. So 40 days, they don't take him on. They don't take on uh, the Philistines. They do nothing. They just hope for the rapture. I say, <laughs> I say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It wasn't what they literally were hoping for, but they're like, okay, only, only God can come rescue. It must be Jesus time to come and, and, and do this because they're buying into a narrative, a narrative that says that that's only way. That's the only way out of this. And I guess you see where I'm going for today. Mm-hmm. If we believe that we really can't see nations operate to the light of the sons of God, like it says in Isaiah 60, if we don't really believe that's the narrative we're a part of, and that's, that's, that's our assignment that we're the saints of the most high, that when Daniel, the book of Daniel talks about the saints being uh, given the kingdom to manifest it on earth and that that manifestation of the kingdom would grow as large as a mountain that fills the whole earth. If that's mm-hmm. not your narrative, then you see something that looks like a big, you know, whatever, whether it's the banking crisis right now, whether it's a vaccination agenda, a death agenda, you see the enemy, some Goliath that just looks too big for you. Right. You, you give up at, mm-hmm. you know, from the start, but to quickly, David, on first observation, he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine wow. yep. that he should defy the armies of God? He is laying out a narrative that empowers him because yep. he's, he's telling a lot. Who is this? He's not just insulting. This uncircumcised, I mean, he has no covenant. There's no agreement. Yep. He's, he's on his own and he's in our territory. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. This is territory given to us by God in a unilateral yes. covenant he made yep. with Abraham. So he's empowered by a narrative. He's not just empowered because he's been doing push-ups in the background. He knows he can kill lions and bears um, with his bare hands. He's in, literally empowered by the narrative. And he said that he has defied the armies of the living God. You yes. talk about being able to see like these cowards, he called them the army of the living God because he was telling them who they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to be chicken littles. They're supposed to be the armies of the living God. So in that one little phrase, he is telling them y'all are operating to the wrong narrative. And if you'll get in the right narrative, you'll you'll find this to be quite an easy battle. So I think it's super relevant for today. Man, and I, I think it would probably be the same with Joshua and Caleb compared to the 10 other spies. When it, Where they it, went in and they saw something completely different than the ten spies, yeah, even it, though they were looking at the same narrative. Well, and it's or the it, same the, thing. The, the comparative is 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 it they were comparing Saul was you know us compared to them, and David was all about how big God was compared yep. to them, mm-hmm. and, and it's, 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 it's the size of your God that, that's going to determine same your with action. Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, it's when the size of in. your God. Well, that and that's a you know a repeat theme. I think we've talked about before, but it really applies towards what we're talking about right now. And it's it just never ceases being relevant because that's exactly the way the enemy distracts us. He gets us mm-hmm. comparing ourselves to how big he is, how he seems to you know again very practical. Looking at the uh, the globalist agenda for today, mm-hmm. wow to have it covered by the media, by the banks, the government, the Supreme Court. I mean, they got it on all angles. And so you study the enemy long enough, you'll get depressed. Yep. And you, you'll, you'll be like the 10 spies, like, oh, we were like, we were like grasshoppers in our sight and in their sight. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens if you study the enemy too much and don't know the narrative. See, what did wow. Caleb and Joshua, it, tell, it tells us there is a different spirit on Caleb. And that different spirit is he was a studier of God. So he could compare the giants to God instead of, yeah, they were grasshoppers compared to the giants, but the giants compared to God, they said they will be bread for us. And yep. all of a sudden reduced him to, to bread. But Caleb also knew that we'll say the meta narrative. This is something I, I didn't bring up. We've talked about this in, in times past. The meta narrative is God said, go spy out the land that I'm giving to you. And we know in, I think it's Deuteronomy 7, 7, he says, now the land I'm giving you to possess is a land of seven enemy nations, greater and mightier than you. It means each and every one was greater and mightier. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, all that, all the ites. You know, today we can add cellulite and other things like that. <laughs> but like, the problem. <laughs> this was, this was, uh, you know, this was, uh, the enemy is bigger than you. So the Lord said that. Uh, and for today, application. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, the globalists, the deep state, the, yeah, they're bigger than you. 
So what? It has never mattered. In fact, he never calls us to an assignment where the enemy is smaller than us. Anybody right. who has an assignment that, that's, you know, that's <laughs> it's so good. It's true. It's easy, it's easy for them. It's not really a God-given assignment. You chose it because you thought, I think I can do this. One. <laughs> he only, if you work for the king, you're in his kingdom, he only gives assignments bigger than you. And, and that's so because he's but he said, you shall not say that they are bigger than you was like mm. being denied. No, he said, because I am in your midst, you Amen. shall not say they are bigger because I'm in your midst. And don't forget what I did to the Red Sea. Don't forget what I did to the Jordan River. Don't forget what I did to the Egyptians. Mm. Uh, I'm a difference maker. It really doesn't matter how small and little you are. If you'll just move forward, yeah. I will back you up with overwhelming firepower. Wow. So that's the power of, but it's still, we're still talking the narrative. It's the power of a narrative. Mm-hmm. So if we have sown into us, multi-generationally this thing things no things are going to go worse and worse and worse don't contend for things to get better they get worse and worse and then when jesus the father holy spirit some combination feels sorry for us and and they Mm. decide to rapture us then we're like thank you as if that is any kind of storyline that gives him glory kind of storyline that's repeated in scripture no 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 Mm -mm. no no, in fact, it, it makes people stop and they go, oh, there's nothing I can do, so why would I do anything? And that's when you're yeah. hiding behind the water heater or you're in your bed with your covers over your head thinking, oh, I just hope God comes and saves us soon. But you don't do anything. There's no, You're not victorious. Yeah. You're not taking any territory. You're not walking in the authority. Um, and so it's kind of an, almost an es- escape or, or a victim mentality. You're not sharing the gospel, healing the sick, casting nope. out demons. Doing know? what Jesus commissioned us to do. Yeah, and he literally, Jesus gave uh, a parable explaining that dynamic where he says he gave one five talents, one two talent, and one one talent. And how the one that was given five and the one that was given two, they stewarded the talent and turned it into something else. And so then, um, you know, the reward for them was cities. Uh, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the gospels, it tells them. So it tells you a couple things. It tells you that he desires to give a stewardship over cities and nations. Mm-hmm. There were city nations by and large. And so that that's that's what he's he gives us something for so that we'll get to the place where we can grow into being those who ha- have that kind of stewardship. And the one that hits said, well, I knew you to be a severe master. And so and it's like, yeah. first of all, what a distortion of who, who God is. And so, yep. you know, I hit it. I hit it. And so the Lord calls him literally the words in if you get the right version of the Bible, not that there's a right one, but for everything. But I liked it. I can't remember which. One. I don't know if it's NLT or uh, King James Version. It says, you lazy, worthless servant. Ooh. So here's he didn't say he couldn't go to heaven. And, nope. and you know, it's like he was a servant. And he was one to say, you know, I'm, you're my king and all that. And it's like, OK, here's your gift. Here's your talent. OK, well, I'm going to hide it here because, you mm-hmm. know, uh, whatever, whatever the reason is. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus is about to return. Whatever, whatever the the narrative is, the personal narrative anyone has, for the equivalent of hiding um, a talent, that's the words from the Lord to you. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. you worthless servant. Wow. You're from your my servant. We're going to give you access to heaven, but you're going to be in heaven one day. Going, you mean <laughs> I could have been like David? I missed of, it. I could have been taking out giants instead of a uh, crime. You know, right. the mm-hmm. 40 days and 40 nights or the 40 years or whatever it is. So, yeah. Man, that is so good. So, okay. okay can you say that quote from uh, Tozier about who who you think yeah, God is? That applies to that real well. Yeah, A.W. Tozer. And again, I don't think I've told you all this before, but what's uh, I was quoting it for a long time without even realizing that my, my uncle, David Enloe, he's, he's passed on now, but he was co-editor of the Alliance Witness, which is a Christian Missionary Alliance um, doc, um, week, a monthly magazine with A.W. Tozer. So, oh, wow. You know, very late in life, he told me all about him. And, and, wow. and it was like, well, yeah, I think he would have really loved. He says, I wish I had seen what you wrote because it's my uncle. Um, it wasn't until he was 90 that he saw all the Seven Mountains stuff and about God showing up in society in that yeah. way. And he's like, my only regret in reading your stuff is I didn't get to see it 70 years earlier. And wow. uh, if, if A.W. Tozer would have been around during the days of Twitter, he would have crushed it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, <laughs> he's a quote waiting to happen. Yeah. The quote is what you think about God. It's said in sort of different ways he would say, it, but what you think about God is the most important thing about you. 
Mm. So it's the thoughts, you know, you have to chew on that. The thoughts that come to you when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Any truly maturing believer is having continual upgraded thoughts on who God is. Mm-hmm. If he hasn't been upgraded in some some way, and, um, then you probably haven't been growing because that that's just wow. the reality. And so as you upgrade, there it comes, that's another uh, way it was quoted. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And you just pause mm-hmm. there for a moment. It doesn't say how many... Uh, how, how many books of the Bible you read per whenever, how many hours you spend reading mm-hmm. the Bible or praying or worshiping or praying. Those, those things uh, should be, um, you know, they should connect you to an expanded view about God, but you literally can limit even what you allow yourself to experience of God, even if you spend hours with yeah. him, mm-hmm. if your thoughts about him haven't been upgraded enough. And the body of Christ in general, has been so impacted by this eschatology of defeat, this eschatology yep. of of escapism, that it's it's been it's created an atmosphere for the entire body of Christ that's fallen under that as an assumption mm-hmm. that they're supposed to believe. Their thoughts about God have remained in a diminished role compared to who he really is. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the rapture because you don't see a rapture in the Bible. Where did this come from? Where did this whole thought of rapture come from? Well, the, uh, yeah, it wasn't invented as a doctrine, you know, till a couple, well, the 1800s. And, and there's some try to say they're, you know, end times has been there in a way for forever. So, mm-hmm. I call end times itis is, is my name for, uh, you know, yeah. a disease of actually reference uh, in your, in the, yes. everybody, everybody, everybody should have, have this. Oh, so it's like a, it's like a manual of how to, how to walk, how to walk so out good. life, but, but the rise, um, you can yeah. find it restore seven.org, just incredible resources on mm-hmm. your guy's site and you know, everything from stuff, your brain and your heart, you can get a hoodie, you know, there, but, uh, <laughs> but the, the materials in the books that these guys create the content, you know, 70 years from now, they're going to be doing podcasts or have whatever they do mm-hmm. in the future. They're going to have Johnny Inlow quote, yep, you know, on there, like, like we do Tozier, you know, you guys are, you're in that league for sure. Well, so in that, it, just for some practical history, but it's, un- it's understood that really the, what's, what is now the rapture doctrine, what we have today, not just um, yeah, there's always the speculating on on either when the Messiah is coming. Jesus Day was full of that. Mm-hmm. There, that's why that was the dominant religious question back 2000 years ago is the Messiah. And so some end time thing. But the the actual doctrine of the rapture where you get your your left behind stuff, yep. you know, the books and the movie and all that, that that was really the origins of that were in the 1800s and. And they really came from a 15-year-old girl, Margaret MacDonald, who had trances and visions, not to knock her. Uh, there you go, born in 1815 in, in Port Glasgow, Scotland. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't realize that she only lived 25, 25 years. Wow. And so um, um, she, you know, I'm, I'm, that's interesting. I've never actually read what you have right in front of me, but I'm, I'm seeing it there. But anyway, she had this trance and this vision and and out of it you know what was understood interpreted from it is that uh um the, we'll just say the rapture um policy the, the rapture mm-hmm. belief of the moment has did come from her and so um uh, it, it was then the person who popularized it was john nelson darby and and then out of you know that came a whole uh, formal theological perspective uh, that that had you know had presenting there you have all this stuff right in front of you this this great pre-tribulation rapture theology was popularized extensively in 1830s by John Nelson Darby and the Plymouth Brethren further popularized in the United States early 20th century by the wide circulation of the Schofield Reference Bible I'm glad you have that right there because that kind of uh, covers it because it was the Schofield Bible. That and you know he's it. a big deal. He had three names. You either got to be a biblical scholar or you got to kill a president. Assassin. Uh, yeah. To mm-hmm. get the three names. <laughs> well, John Nelson Darby, you know. Yep. That is true. And you know what's amazing <laughs> is he um, he was, he called himself doctor, but he was not. Um, okay. He had no formal theological training, but yet he's a doctor. 
And, um, and you know, we, we don't really know. There's different reports on him. We know that early in his life, possibly before knowing the Lord, he spent six months in prison for forgeries. So mm. he was known for producing fraudulent doctrine, doctrine, uh, <laughs> documents. Wow. wow. And uh, that just speaks, you know. And then he got saved in 1879 at a Dwight Moody crusade. He was 36 years old. And then he, you know, it's controversial as well. We don't know if it's justified or not, but he got saved and he never returned to his wife and his daughter. Mm. And so married again, it just doesn't sound like a highly Christian behavior. It doesn't sound like, right. you know, the person is like, yeah, John Nelson Darby knew this was the truth. And I was like, well, who's John Nelson Darby? And like, how did that happen? So mm-hmm. I doubt that the connection is with Cyrus Schofield, he of the Schofield, the famous Schofield Bible that then made it go uh, mainstream, we'll say, and become the default, the assumed default for most that are born and raised in the United States and has been. And let's see what it says there. The seventh and last child of Elias and Abigail Goodrich. And uh, so, yeah, there's some de- details of his early education are unknown. Um, so some of the other details about uh, Cyrus is that, you know, he was a member of the Lotus Club. Uh, and if you know that, that's that's you, it's a secret society kind of stuff. Mm. And um, dangerous. He, he, he was dangerous. So and. Mm-hmm. You know, his friends, if, if you go and do the deep dive on him, um, ones that were funding and financing him, even when he's getting his Schofield Bible out with 33rd degree Masons. And, um, and it, what I actually believe about it, whether he intentionally did it from his own mind and spirit or if he was just used that way, you know, it can be an instrument of the enemy and not sure. you're an instrument of the enemy, mm-hmm. is that, you know, he was an agent of, of the Freemasons, the New World Order of the devil to paralyze Christianity while preparing America to be the final conquest. Mm. As far back as the 1800s, these secret Mm. societies knew that America stood in the way of them becoming the, the world powers, you know, completely. And, and there's, it's the same way today. There is an understanding that if, uh, you know, it was the last enemy that needed to be taken down, the last resistance. If the United States gets taken out of the picture, mm-hmm. there is no more resistance. There's barely resistance even with the United States. But with, uh, if the United States is taken down, they they have no more. And so why would this be convenient doctrine? And this is part, it's important for people to understand this. That's why we're not just arguing over well you interpret the scripture that way or this way and and i will say there's like there's just the the, (laughs) there is so little scripture to 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 bring into the picture to uh uh, to justify believing in that rapture story it's literally uh, a thessalonian scripture where uh, paul says we which um, are alive and remain will be caught up together with the lord and there shall we ever be with him And so it doesn't, the word rapture is never in the scripture. It's not in the book of Revelation. Um, And and it's not in any book if it's not. Right. Right. But even it's even the book of Thessalonians, uh, second Thessalonians, where, where you'll read the other. And so you have something that has the sketchiest of Bible defense. Meanwhile, I could take you through. Um, I was like, John, yeah. that was such a big deal for us both growing mm-hmm. up in the church. You know, I was I was a young man. They had this movie come out. They went at the theaters. They showed it at church. It was called Thief in the Night. Oh yeah. And uh, I oh, I was young, scary. but I remember this. Uh, the, the 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 like the wife didn't accept Christ, but the husband did. And she wakes up one morning, and his electric shaver was in the sink, just running. You know, she comes in there, and she realizes like you know she'd been left behind. I tell you, I was young. I was so scared. Like every time I came home or came to our house, like and I would like, Mom, you know, he's at home, nobody's there. I was like crying. I thought for sure. I mean, I, I asked Jesus into my heart a thousand times. You well, you still don't uh, do it as an adult. I still get nervous today. It's still like programmed <laughs> in there. The house, I don't like that, and I don't really the Planet of the Apes was a big impact on me as well. I didn't like either one of those things. My older my older siblings would yell down the furnace vents, the you know, the apes were coming. But you know, but that but that movie was such an impact. And then, you know, later in life we bought the end of the Tim LaHaye stuff. Oh, yeah, all the left and, man, behind we, series. We, we were gobbling it up like like chicken nuggets, man. It was like, we couldn't wait for the next one to come out. It was set, you know, Paige Turner, you know, and that, that whole idea mm-hmm. of thief in the night. There, there you go. It it's, it's in the seventies. Scary man. Um, you know, but that, but that was such a, a part of the, the church culture mm-hmm. of this idea of, of, of rapture. And it was sort of a, and I would say manipulative fear technique, but it was effective in, mm-hmm. in evangelism. Oh, 
We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. We will shut you down, we will cite you, and if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Period. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights when we did this. But no amendment, no amendment to the Constitution is absolute. God actually spoke to me. He spoke about sacredness. He said to me, Kim, what I place in many, many people is sacred. And if anybody touches what is sacred to me, then it is the end for them. So what I've done in the United States of America is sacred. And there are people on every side that are trying to destroy what I deem sacred. And it's not going to happen. This is the definition of criminal conspiracy, racketeering, and collusion. This is not a theory. This is evidence. Because I have upheld this country to spread a light to the rest of the world. When you choose to go against the sacred thing that God put into the very heart and the soil of this nation, this was sacred to God. This reawakened tour is literally what it means. It has reawakened the American heart. If you look at it, I hate to say it this way, but if you look at it from Satan's standpoint, it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scripture says, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There is no other institution, no other group capable of resisting the gates of hell. So my seven mountain message, seven primary spheres of society, media, education, government, economy, family, arts, entertainment, mountain of religion, seven primary spheres of Mm -hmm. society. The devil forms a gate of hell at the top of each place, and he blackmails whoever makes Mm. it to the top, Mm. and he has them controlled. This is the reality of the world at this time. And then he actually, you know, he reads the the Bible. We know that. He's quoting scripture to Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the temptation. Mm -hmm. Hey, he will give his angels charge over you. Toss yourself. So he knows the scripture. So he gets with his rulers and principalities who rule over the seven mountains, and he says, listen. There's only one group that can take us out, and that's the church, the true ecclesia, which is the word that was used, which is, you know, the activated church. It's not about being in this building and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a whole um, that's worth revisiting at some point. He says, but Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against mm-hmm. it. So that's the only thing that can stop us. So he assigns the principality over the mountain of, of religion, which is the religious spirit. He says, so you have the main assignment here. You have a bigger assignment than mammon does in the mountain of economy, than Baal has in the mountain of family, than Jezebel has in the mountain of arts and entertainment. Here is your assignment. Keep them on their mountain. Wow. Mm. That's your number one assignment. And we'll go later on whether, you know, if they're bad Christians, good Christians, if they're Holy Spirit centric or not. But main thing, keep them on. Keep that light limited. Mm -hmm. Keep the salt in the salt shaker. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so that assignment. And so he instructs the religious spirit, go into their seminaries, go into their denominations, go into their main um, headquarters, their speakers, those who are setting up uh, doctrine. And and what people don't realize is coming out, I, I don't have the, the super definitive proof, but there's I've, I've seen enough to, to know that there's millions of dollars that has been steered from what we call the globalist deep state Freemasonic um, sources in order to peddle this document because it was connected. It's John Nelson Darby, and then they went to dispensationalism, and then it, it basically, you know, it's like you know the age of 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 the kingdom being manifested on earth. That was just something Jesus was supposed to showcase then, and so signs yeah. and wonders and power over demons and healing and all that. No, that's 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 how all you do is you're, if you're a Christian here is this was the narrative you were invited to embrace. 
um, you need salvation. You need to say the sinner's prayer so that one day when you die, you get to go to heaven. It's like give up on earth everything. Give up the farm and sell out for uh, the, the future. Mm-hmm. And your one assignment as a believer, as a Christian, is get somebody else saved. That's it. Mm-hmm. And you save, them, uh, uh, you save them and you talk about eternity. And that's their assignment is to go talk about eternity again as if Jesus came and that's what he uh, um, you know, filled the airwaves with. If you just read Matthew 4, 5, 6, 7, when he presents himself, the kingdom is here and the kingdom is here to change everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether you're poor in spirit, whether you're hungry and thirsty for justice, call righteousness, um, my kingdom is here to heal, to restore, to bring changes everywhere. You are the salt of the earth, his first congregation. You are the light of the world. If the salt has lost its savor, doesn't do what it's supposed to, it's good for nothing mm-hmm. but to be trampled upon and cast out. And it's like, whatever you refuse to influence with who I am is going to trample you. And that's what we're seeing. Yep. We're being trampled by that, which we refused to visit with light. So the light mm-hmm. didn't go into the darkness because we had a convenient doctrine. People just need to see the the brilliant of brilliance of this strategy from hell around what I'll call the premature rapture story is like, no, all you do, obviously, because here's what's been the narrative for every generation for the last 2000 years. I studied it. Every generation, the Christians have said, we can tell signs of the time. Things are worse than they've ever been. Mm. And then if you had a famine, a fire or something, yep. it was proof absolute that this. And so it's like, no, you just prepare uh, um, for end time scenario. And then once the rapture doctrine came in, it's like, yes, things uh, things need to get worse. So Jesus will come and rescue us. Mm-hmm. And so you have you have a sellout doctrine. You have a sellout Christianity, which states don't contend for anything. And not only that, it's not just that they don't do it. It's the leaders. Also, I am a primary target. I'll be called a, a dominionist, an a, a apostolic reformationist. Of, I don't even think they say I'm parts of all kinds of things. And just because I am one that says we don't just give up the farm, that the kingdom mm-hmm. is supposed to manifest here on earth. Yep. And the narrative is like David. The narrative isn't give up and wait for Jesus to save us. The narrative is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the Amen. world. Come on. And that as you arise and shine, he arises and shines mm-hmm. behind you. He's going to give us impossible assignments. He's going to give us assignments where the enemy is scary. And so that's not supposed to be like something that surprises. That's the, the biblical example uh, 100% of the time over and over and over. And it's how what testimonies come out of is the fact that whether it's Gideon taking on all the all the 80-year-old Moses and he's now leading Israel out and facing, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it's just we go endlessly. There is there is a limited number against a larger number, uh, you know. That's just over and over. It's it's never that the army of of, of Israelites is so massively more, and whether they uh, show the guts to take no, they're always inferior in some kind of way. But God is always greater than than the enemy. So we have this narrative that says as people as things get worse and worse, then that's good. So you don't want to contend for any, any for any good. In other words, don't be salt. Don't be light. Mm-hmm. And, and then there was a primary Baptist teacher that for decades, uh, the only line I remember from his messages is, uh, and it just stuck with me, even when I was a kid, it's like, there's no sense polishing the brass on the Titanic. And yeah. if, you, if you translate that into real time, it means there's no, no worth, it's not worth trying to improve a situation that's designed to tank. So when you buy into an eschatology that says next is a total tanking of the earth and, the, and that we're in a Titanic, as opposed to Habakkuk 2.14, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory yeah. of God over the sea. Yeah. Or the I mean, Daniel, it, yeah. It doesn't, so, it doesn't sound like uh, that we're children of the Most High God. It just sounds like we are orphans. You know, it's like, I guess it's like, just going to get worse. Like you you're know, some versus- kid who's, whose parents left him at, at Walmart or something. Hopefully you're coming back to pick him up because they're walking around scared. And, and it fits good like slave songs, you know, like Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And and then, you know, moves on to Pentecostal yeah. and I'll fly away and, and these kind of things. Like this idea of just hang on, yep. make it Sunday to Sunday, one more week. 
and then then it, we're going to get taken out of this mess before yeah, it crashes. I guess the question I would have, because I know that people are listening, and I would obviously have this question as well. Um, uh, what about like Matthew twenty four? What about Revelations? Like, wh- wh- has this? If there's not a rapture, has this already happened? What's the story there? Well, and I'm not one to say. Depending on what a rapture is to someone, I do believe that there is a return of Jesus, but he comes for a triumphant bride. The, the scriptures will speak of there's a bride that has made herself ready. There's the marriage supper of the lamb. And so there's there's a celebration because his bride has finally fulfilled mm-hmm. her assignment mission. So the idea of a rescue, and it would be a rescue at this stage because we've proved nothing. We've done nothing. No. Nations do not walk to the light. <laughs> We're ruled by Antichrist spirit across the board in every nation. So why would there's definitely no celebratory reason for Jesus to return now? Right. When the bride, the bride of Christ, and we all corporately together, we we are the bride of Christ. When we fulfill our assignment, when we showcase this greater than God, when we we fill the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea by carrying Him everywhere, then there is there is reason for uh, um, for Him to to return for this final celebration. Mm-hmm. But to what you were pointing out, the confusion has come because Jesus talked about, there's things from Matthew 23 and 24 and 25, and there's people have, uh, we'll say, extracted from the words of Jesus, the idea of things getting worse and worse. And then you add certain parts of Revelation um, and, you know, People say, okay, so when does the Antichrist from Revelation take place? When is the 666? When is the beast? When is all that stuff? And so, first of all, uh, surprise for those who haven't heard this, the word Antichrist is not in the book of Revelation. So that is obviously um, added added to um, it by, you know, it, it we'll say fake news media. Mm-hmm. Know that or yourself, you believe something, but people will, will extrapolate from 666 and the beast. So just this, there's so, so much to it. I'll just say a couple things, and you ask me more if you wanted me to go in, in deeper on that. But for instance, it was known that the, the emperor, the Roman emperor who ruled in Jesus' day at this time, he was, uh, he was called in code the beast, even. It, it was, uh, that was a language they had to use. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and there was numerology for every name. There's, you know, in the Hebraic, even in the um, Greek, there's a numerical value, and if you want to understand what that's like, okay, pretend A is, is worth 100, and B is 10, and, and C is 50, you know, all these numbers, and you put them together. Well, Nero's name came out to 666, the, num- mm. the, the numerology. And so John was having to write the book of Revelation in code. It should be easy to understand. Perhaps that's why we're just getting better reveal on it now. In our day, the fact that, you know, we had to stop using the word vaccination yep. and then we, you know, then we right. had to say the jab, the jab. Yep. And then well, they were starting and it's like, OK, the poke. And then finally, yep. we just had to just, you know, point yep. at, at something. You have to change the language because you get censored. Well, censoring in that day was worse than that. Not only <laughs> would, um, it wasn't just you're, you're banned from Facebook or social media somewhere. It costs you your life. But not only that, if you owned, say you owned a scripture written by John and it talks about and instead of him saying the Antichrist and the beast and what they will do. And he says, and Nero. And then he talks about, um, uh, you know, there's all kinds of the the, the numbers and the symbolism throughout Mm -hmm. um, dragon and everything else. And so if 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 he called it by what it actually was, if you had that document in your possession, you would lose your life as well. So you have an entire book of the Bible written in code. And um, there's some aspects of it that aren't in code. Those are the stuff that you're not going to get hurt mm-hmm. by doing anything that you might lose your life over. It's just like a lot of subjects. If we're talking about sports, they're not going to censor us. But if we talk about, if we started talking about election fraud, we had to, yep. you you use, if the word fraud came out of your mouth, boom, you're, you knock sure. it off and, uh, for good. So that's the understanding in both out of Matthew and out of Revelation. But uh, historians, famed historians, Josephus being a primary one, again, who was not a Christian, spirit-filled believer or anything else like that. It wasn't by discernment by the Holy Spirit. He just, um, he would tell the book of Revelation the things that John is saying. He could actually give a running narrative of 
those things, um, for instance, yeah. um, and I think the point you were making even the 70 AD, there, there, we could tell the disciples, including Paul, uh, you go to the writings of Peter, John, Paul, they're like, there's this expectation of the sudden return of Christ. And so the question mm-hmm. is, did he return in 70 AD in judgment? And we know judgment did come. And that mm-hmm. Jesus talked in Matthew 23, 24, 25, he said, this generation will see this. Yep. And so he, that was going to be about 30 to 33 AD. And so a generation would have been under 40 years. That's how it was uh, categorized uh, then. And so we know historically, truthfully, beyond the shadow of a doubt that in 70 AD, Titus, head of the Roman armies, came in and he demolished uh, Jerusalem. And, and there was the story where Jesus says, when you see these things happening, then run to the hills, essentially, that the believers and the Christians did do that because they said this was the sign Jesus gave. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. they, and, and people are, who are looking for it to happen now don't realize this happened in 70 A.D. already. And then he came and he raised a level to the ground, uh, Jerusalem in every way, mm-hmm. and, and all the, the bloodshed, people go, when's all that bloodshed from Revelation going to ha- happen? Well, there was over 1 million, 1.1 million Jews killed in 70 AD, and the blood, the blood flowed like it was a stream, um, and, and literally every, uh, every one of those uh, scary, horrible um, story plot lines that are in Revelation happened at that time, if you understood the symbolism that is either known or conjecture based on knowing what actually, um, um, whatever, whatever, what actually happened. Furthermore, there was like two other times, um, there was in uh, 50 years later, and then see where I have, uh, 115 AD approximately, there was another Jewish revolt and at least another quarter million Jews died. Wow. and, and if you didn't think they applied to 70 AD, you were like, oh, my goodness, it happened then. And then you wait to 130 AD where there was a leader, Bar Koba. Uh, there was another possible million or more uh, Jews that starved, um, were killed, and the blood um, was flowing. You know, Romans barred Jews from Jerusalem of interest in 132 AD. Emperor was Hadrian. He changed the name. He's like, these, these Jews never stop coming back, trying to recreate their empire. They're believing the Old Testament prophets were speaking about natural Israel being this thing that rules and reigns in this way. Didn't understand it was connecting to the kingdom of God, even though Daniel made that connection to the kingdom of God. And so they changed the name of the whole region to Syria, Palestina. Mm. And so while, while you have um, Palestine being the name there is that he, hoped by changing the name Man. of the region that it would no longer be that. So when you understand history here and you're like, oh, my goodness, we've been being played um, um, for, for, for a long time on, the, on this matter. Things we're expecting to happen that already happened. Are you having a hard time sleeping at night thinking, what am I going to do about my finances? You know, times are really changing. They're changing fast. Let me give you a quick example of how in 1920, if you had a $20 bill and one ounce of gold, you could go into any men's clothing store and buy an entire suit. Wow. You could buy the, the jacket, the shirt, the belt, shoes, the whole bit. Today, that's what dollar bill. What's it going to get you? Not much. Maybe the socks, maybe a <laughs> handkerchief, but the one ounce of gold could still buy you the entire suit at any men's store in America. That's the difference. That's what inflation does to your dollar. It's a deflating dollar caused by inflation. Now, today, that's happening faster than ever. You need somebody that you trust that can help get you out of a fake currency and into something that's going to keep you safe. And we know a guy that has two PhDs by the name of Dr. Dr. Kirk Elliott. We have known him for over 25 years, and he's someone we completely trust. You need somebody that you can get a hold of, somebody that's going to be there for you to get back out of it, and then maybe back into the stock market, maybe back into something else when things settle down. But right now is not that time. You need somebody that you trust and somebody you can call and make those worries go away. That's exactly right. So you can go to flyovergold.com. Dot com, fill out your information for your free consultation, or you can call 720-605-3900. Do it today. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. 
Huge. Give us, you know, we don't have a, a ton of time left, but I want to kind of paint a picture of what did Jerusalem look like in those years? You know, that that the people that have been reading John's, John's writing, what did the Jewish faith be, start to look like after Jesus's ascension? Um, how did it kind of, you know, according to Josephus and other people mm-hmm. documenting what the city of Jerusalem like, what was it like spiritually over the, those next few decades? Well, I don't know if I could say uh, uh, conclusively uh, what it was because there was kind of good and bad happening. So the church, there was these mm-hmm. outbreaks of, um, uh, you know, well, there was tw- from 30 A.D. to 311 A.D., so from 30 after Christ, basically from when he gave his life on the cross, um, to 311, 12 of the 54 emperors persecuted Christians. And and persecuted Christians, they did horrible, horrible things. You know, that Nero was doing things like mm-hmm. having them in the, in the stadiums and, and feeding them to lions and sewing Christians uh, into skins of animals and then releasing animals and then crucifixions and deaths. And, and so... It wasn't just any one. There was it was a repeat scenario going on and on and on. And so um, and then at times the church, see, there was a difference between the the targeting of the Jews and then the targeting of the Christians. Nero initially, this wicked emperor Nero in 64 A.D., he targeted the Christians because there was a fire that, um, um, you know, was bad fire in Rome And, and Rome, for instance, code language, Revelation 18 talks about Babylon, the greatest fallen, has fallen to become the, mm-hmm. you know, outpost for demons, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you understand history, Babylon didn't really exist in the way it did in the Old Testament because Cyrus had already taken, that's part of that Trump, Isaiah 45 yeah. assignment to take down Babylon. Well, Cyrus right. took Babylon and they never were uh, an empire again till this day. They've never been an empire. They're not, they're not going to be. That, so literal Babylon was taken down, but they knew, John knew he couldn't be writing about um, a physical city. So there's some think it was Jerusalem that was being written about because Jerusalem was wasted mm-hmm. and, and waylaid, just like it talks about in Revelation 18, 19. But the reason I don't believe it's that is because uh, the nature of it, Rome was bigger. Jerusalem was huge for the for the Jews, yeah. but Rome, Rome, you know, the Roman Empire ruled the world for a thousand years, so it would have to have been a Roman capital that was uh, that, that was that was there. So you have these these realities. Okay, sixty four AD, the fires. So there was this great persecution outbreak against Christians. They were blamed for the fire that took place in Rome. Right. So we don't know. We hear some. There's different reports. I suppose I could probably, uh, you know try to dig enough to come with some uh, some credible um, timeline there of exactly when was it good, when was it bad, but there was like good and bad um, throughout. And and we know that, you know, it was in 300 and something AD where it became the state religion through Constantine and and, and it lost, it, it all of a sudden became super popular to become a Christian. It was a very mm. tiny minority that scared. There's a reason why the empires, the empire, the big empire would continually turn on them because this is a people that were not would not allow themselves to be subjugated and dominated. And so we know there was at least some level of good fire, um, we'll say godly fire in the believers up till the time of Constantine because they were considered the enemy, even though they were a tiny percentage, but they were indomitable and they were and 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 they had, you know, periods of of of, of We'll say, I don't know, we call it revival or whatever. There's just good stories happening, but it's all mixed in the whole time. So so our assignment all- now, if I can just kind of gather this is the, the, the point is from Christ's ascension, there's this there's this window of time then till Jerusalem falls. And that's where the majority of those verses that talk of the, the, the major doom and gloom revelation, Matthew 24 stuff is in that window um, from Everything we gained from Christ rising from the dead has been from there forward. We're to take authority over this place He's left us, and 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 to uh, take dominion of it. The same way, if I had a uh, uh, a ticket for an airplane, and I go to my seat, and there's somebody in it. Like I have authority over that seat. I'm I'm, I'm to take charge and 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 expand 
the kingdom of heaven and mm-hmm. and prepare and 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 take that authority waiting for his actual return not a return to take me away wait come back again later but an actual his kingdom coming down on heaven not the earth being dissolved by a nuclear bomb or something because we're gone yeah well if, it, is that I'm, I'm fumbling through this but is that that's what i'm gathering you are and let me put a couple things in a couple of minutes here because it takes a while to develop it all mm-hmm. but we can say enough in a couple of minutes as well so acts 321 um right after you know the outpouring of the holy spirit it tells us in that scripture that jesus is held in the heavens and we know he sits at the right hand of the father in intercession he is held in the heavens to the restoration of all things spoken of by his servants the prophets so it's for restoration but it's of things spoken of by of his servants the prophet and they're referring directly not to the prophets that are in the church then but it's the prophets of the old testament okay. i've been quoting habakkuk 214, the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge mm. of the glory of the waters cover the sea. Isaiah, the prophet, not only did he in Isaiah 60, he said, rise and shine, your light has come, the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness, gross darkness, mm-hmm. but the Lord will arise on you. His glory will be seen on you. Nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. Or Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord <laughs> He has anointed you to preach the gospel, to set the captives free, to rebuild ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. So you have Isaiah. And in Isaiah 9, he says, unto us, a son is given, a child is born. The government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. And of the end of his, of his of the increase of his government, there will be no end. So mm-hmm. he directly speaking to when Jesus shows up. But the last one to include in this, but it's all it's like David, he because he's called prophet David. Peter in Acts three calls David a prophet. And he tells that David's the one that prophesied. David actually prophesied over 50 times. The earth is the Lord's and it's the wicked that carry it out. If we had more time, I'd go in that. It's the good guys stay here. The bad guys get zapped out. They're the ones that that get raptured. But the guy that should be given perhaps the most. Uh, credibility is Daniel because he has a, a running track record. It's the track record is so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Liberal, modern, liberal uh, Christian professors say Daniel could not have actually written the book of Daniel when it says it was hundreds of years before Christ, but they believe he wrote it in 200 BC AD after Christ, because how would he know all these things? <laughs> oh, that's what a prophet, uh, right? He, you know, he's the one that names, he's like, he saw this beast and there's four categories to this beast. And part yeah. of it was, uh, you know, it was the present Babylonian empire that Cyrus did, did away with. And then there was the Greek, the, uh, the Medo-Persian where Cyrus headed that up. And then it was the Greek Alexander, the great, the, the next empire. And then he finally saw the Roman empire. And that's the last one he saw. And he said, that one was a different one. And there was a stone not built with hands. This is in the book of Daniel, read Daniel two, Daniel seven for this stuff all put together. Mm-hmm. And it says this stone came and smashed that image. And then it begins to tell what that um, that smashing does. And it became a stone. This stone became a mountain that filled the whole earth. And it uses the language, uh, for instance, Daniel 2.44. And the God of heavens shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Now, just right there, without even getting more complex than that. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. He says when. He says when the stone, we know Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, mm-hmm. and he will hit that image. And it doesn't say, you know, he's going to take a seven-year break. He's going to take a break for the Antichrist. He's going to take, there is no break. Isaiah said right. of the increase, it'll never stop increasing the kingdom of God on earth. And it, Daniel says, it shall break in pieces and consume all oh. other kingdoms so when do we turn the world over to the kingdom of darkness never never stand forever and then you read daniel 7 uh you know a judgment made on behalf of the saints it is time for the kingdom and verse 27 of daniel 7 a kingdom and dominion given to the saints of the most high his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom Mm. and all dominions shall serve him. So you have a guy with impeccable track record for hundreds of years in the scripture, and he's still on course. And then you're like, how do we get some obscure scripture somewhere else that's not repeated anywhere else that is not confirmed by any of the Old Testament prophets, which was the standard laid even in New Testament Acts mm-hmm. 3. Yeah. 
You know, it didn't say uh, um, the things that Paul said or that Peter said would have to be restored. No, it's the thing that the Old Testament guys, and there was a bunch of them. It was all of them. They said it over and over and over. And that's why it's ridiculous that we're ready to give up the farm, give up the kingdom, give up this world and say, no, it doesn't matter. We're just supposed to get as many, you know, escapees with us. Mm -hmm. And this is somehow going to give glory to our God that he came and died and gave his life and lived before us and said, pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven with no real reason, because he doesn't really intend to set up the kingdom here in any kind of way. He just wants to pull us and run out here. I think not. Man. Okay. So we're going to, we've already talked to you and you had agreed. We just have to find a time. You're going to come out to Studio B. We're going to sit down and spend three or four hours walking through this, which we are so excited about. Whiteboards, charts, diagrams, flannel graph. We're getting everything. We are fired up about that. So that's something that we're going to be doing. But between now and then, what would be some things that you would recommend just as we close out for today? What are things that you recommend for the body of Christ? What should be, what should we be doing right now? Well, the main thing is, you know, you don't have to get all the details of uh, of your eschatology, of your end time doctrine. That's not what's necessary to get it all corrected. But you want to be on enough of the right narrative that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you say, wow, I am an instrument of the kingdom. I am a kingdom asset. I am actually a king of the kings. He's mm-hmm. called the king kings we are royalty we came from him so when he's called the king of kings he's not really just the king of other presidents we are the kings kings yeah. queens we are to carry his uh, his influence his impact his way of doing things into everything uh into every area of society everything is possible to him who who believes all authority is given me he said in Matthew 28 after he died on the cross and raised from the dead to his disciples, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Yeah. He's still, still telling us that. And the assignment isn't just to get people to say the sinner's prayer. Disciple nations. How do you disciple nations? Into the king's ways of doing things. How does he run government? How does he run media? How does he run the economy? That's the reality. That's what comes out in our, our rise books and our other things. And so find your place. I uh, I, again, to, to answer that question, if they would connect to our rise, we don't have any more of these, the rise books in paper, but we do have them online, but we do have a seven hour, seven minute, just happened to turn out that way. Seven hour, seven minute course rise. And it goes into every area of society. You will find your place. It is impossible for you to live on planet earth right now and to only have a secular call. If you are a son or daughter of the most high King, Um, you have an assignment and this would help you. There's even a, a diagnostic test early on to help you understand where where your in quote mountain is. And that means where you're called to be mm. salt. That's awesome. You have I, light. You were born with light. You just need to find your place and exert it. I love it. So you can go to restore7.org. And then it has, you can choose your learning style from there. So it says purchase rise course right there at the top. And when you click on that, you can choose uh, your the, the handbook or you can do the video course for $49. It's incredible. David and I have gone through this yep. and then uh, we did teach him classes on it in media through your app and really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for everything that you and Elizabeth are doing to help equip the body of Christ in this time to take up our authority and learn where are we, what has God uh, placed us here for, and then how to walk that out. So thank and you so down much. Down below, I'll put a link to uh, Johnny Elizabeth's uh, Rumble channel down below, as well as the, the recordings that they've done with Matt and Joy Thayer from Sparrow Pictures and the Elijah Stream uh, interviews. If this is interested and you're like, what? What in the world? You know, keep digging and walk through this and uh, uh, just just kind of be open and be asking Holy Spirit to help you to see what he has for you in this time mm-hmm. and uh, kind of just go on this journey, see where you end up. Johnny, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And let me just, this last word, because you are just a perfect picture of, a, a, you know, a typical, we'll say, Christian couple preparing themselves <laughs> to front lines, ministry, and a traditional way of thinking. And, and people may not understand that. I do from a kingdom standpoint. I see you all as 100% ministry. You are, uh, you are right where he wants you. It was an assignment on the mountain of media. 
and and you are bringing his influence, his way, his better ways. You are bringing through what you the truth you're re- revealing to others, and so you become, we'll say, perfect prototypes of what it looks like to be a believer operating in his salt and light on planet Earth. And so I love it. Thank you so much, Thanks, Johnny. Johnny. We appreciate your time. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Well, kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.